Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a bonus episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, where I am sharing my book, The Last Witch, a chapter a week. This week is chapter 13. Enjoy. The feeling I had when the Panouche village disappeared from view, and there was no land left, was a mixture of absolute freedom and immense terror. It was scary, but also thrilling. The rolling of the waves and the vastness of the slate-gray sea sent my head spinning, but I was awake. The cold spray was in my face, and I felt ready for anything. I saw the boy approaching, and I smiled. I had not seen either of my new acquaintances all morning. I caught a brief glimpse of them working, as I wandered around the boat and tried to get acclimated to my new home. He bowed low and then swiped his hair out of his eyes. Join us for lunch. My father would like to speak with you. He gave me a shy smile and walked away. I followed him to the galley. It was cramped and full of ancient, dirty equipment. Humbard was seated at a small table. He took a drink from a tin cup that sat in front of him. He seemed calmer and more comfortable now that we were out at sea. Welcome to the SS Grisman, Lady Casey. Now that we are away from prying eyes, allow me to properly introduce myself. I am Garrick, and this is my son, Monroe. We are Wizards of Greys. I believe you have heard of us. I nodded. Your great-grandfather was a most honorable wizard, and his passing was a painful shock to our entire ordinance. My grandfather spoke of him often. They were good friends. It is for this reason that I agreed to help you. He flexed his gnarled fingers and ran them over his long beard. Wizards usually keep to themselves. We do not meddle in the affairs of others, especially those of the witches. But the fate of our families is intertwined. We must help each other. I would like to see Norkalo return to the glory and power that it once possessed. He took another drink and stared into his cup. He tapped it loudly on the edge of the table and cleared his throat. You have defeated the Rasky King. No more will that enemy walk our lands. I am impressed. Your powers must be very strong. However, you have other enemies, groups that would not be pleased to see the return of the witches. I would like to offer you our services, mine and the boys. We will do everything in our power to protect you and aid in your quest for Norg Hollow. You have our lives. He knelt in the customary manner of the wizard's pledge, Monroe started to kneel beside him, but I stopped him. Wait, I will not take your life sworn from another's lips. If you wish to serve me, vow for yourself, or I will not accept your help. He smiled and took my hand. His touch sent a shock up my arm. I swear that for the rest of my long life, I will use all my powers to protect and serve you, no matter the consequences. He kissed my hand and knelt next to his father. I blessed them both and asked them to rise. We sat down to eat, and for a long time, no one spoke. We concentrated on our food, and when we finished, Garrick sent Monroe back to work. I want to speak to you privately for a moment. It is about my son. Monroe is very special to me. He is a great wizard, and one day he will be one of our most honored, a Deku. It is the highest title a wizard can receive. It can only be achieved through rigorous self-discipline and intense study. He must not be distracted from his goal. 
Do you understand me? Not really. His eyes were small and black. His forehead was creased with deep wrinkles. He grabbed my hand in his strong grip and stared into my eyes. His lip curled into a sneer and revealed a tarnished gold tooth. Stay away from my son. He has a destiny, and you will not keep him from it. I stammered some sort of answer, and he shook my hand slowly, staring menacingly into my eyes. A chill ran through me. Garrick had a powerful body, and his penetrating eyes made me nervous. He had sworn his life to me, yet I couldn't help feeling that Garrick hated me. The day passed by slowly. I remained below deck until the sky finally grew dark and the stars came out. There were thousands of them. The enormity of the sky made me feel even more alone. The world was so big. Our ship was an insignificant speck in an endless ocean. There was nothing else for miles, and the only sounds were the sails snapping in the breeze and the clamor of the crew. As I stood staring out into the inky sky, I heard footsteps behind me. They stopped, and I turned to face Monroe. He smiled and bowed. Everything's calm this evening. Would you like to come sit with me? I don't know. Are you done studying? He laughed. He gave you the stay away from my son speech. Wow, that was fast. Everyone gets it at some point, and most people obey. He's an intimidating man. Aren't you afraid of my father? Should I be? He vowed himself to my service and protection. I agreed not to stand in the way of you and your destiny. I don't think talking to you is going to do that. Monroe smiled but didn't answer. I liked his smile. It was warm and inviting. He was a few years older than me and only a little older than Blade. I was shocked to realize it was the first time I had thought about Blade since I left Crystal River. Garrick appeared from below deck, and we both jumped. He looked displeased, but did not say anything. He motioned for us to follow him, and we walked past the rest of the crew, who were hauling in fishing nets and, hopefully, our next meal. We sat around a table in the galley, and Garrick spread out the map. It was actually two maps laid on top of each other. He pointed to a place where the two maps matched. We're approaching this portal. We should be there before nightfall tomorrow. Once we have crossed into the magical realm, we will need you to guide us. Norkala was hidden, and no one has been able to find it for many, many years. Can you do this? I nodded and hoped that I could. Good. Be on guard at all times. You never know what ill winds approach. Lady Casey, have you given much thought to what you will do when you find the land you seek? I haven't really thought about it. I never dreamed I'd get this far. Well, you'd best give it some thought. You have a monumental task before you. It would be better if you were prepared. I nodded, though inside I didn't agree at all. I had no idea how to prepare for something like this. I didn't know what to expect or whom I might encounter. I didn't even have a complete grasp on the history of the witches, though it had improved immensely when Valencia transferred her powers to me. The task at hand was overwhelming, and thinking of it filled me with dread. One of the men called out to Garrick, and he left to inspect something tangled in the nets. Monroe reached across the table for my hand and squeezed it. Don't let him scare you. Think of everything you have already achieved. My father likes to give orders, but he is not a wise man. Do what your instincts tell you. That is where magic thrives. He gave my hand another squeeze and looked like he might kiss me. I pulled my hand away. 
The men were shouting, and I hurried to see what was going on. Monroe followed, and we dodged in between the clusters of large bodies until we reached the front of the group. Tangled in the net at our feet, amidst the trapped and dying fish, was the body of a young woman. Her clothes were tattered black rags. She clutched her hands in front of her chest, as if holding something very dear to her, unable to give it up even at her moment of death. She had been badly beaten. Her body was battered and broken. Large purple bruises covered her skin, and her throat had been cut. Garrick pulled apart her hands, and a shell fell onto the deck. He picked it up and we gazed at it in wonder. It was unlike any I had ever seen. Our shells were white, or occasionally a very light pink. This shell was bright purple. This is a shell from the shores of Norg Hollow. These are only found on a small beach in the golden lands of Almuda, the eastern lands. This woman came from Norg Hollow. Garrick looked at me darkly. Do you know her? I did. She was my sister, Meloda. I sat with her body through the long, cold night. The men removed her from the net as carefully as they could and covered her with a blanket. I sat on an overturned bucket near her body and held the shell tightly in my hand. There were so many questions, and I would never have the answers now that she was gone. She found it first. I wondered why she had left Norg Hollow. She should have remained and waited for me. Monroe brought me some food just before dawn. His eyes were red and underlined with dark, puffy circles. He didn't speak. He sat beside me and held my hand. We stayed that way until dawn broke over the horizon, and we heard his father stirring below. Monroe dropped my hand and jumped to his feet. I must go study, or my father will make me work on deck. Come find me in a few hours. I have something to show you. He vanished around the corner, and I was again left alone with my sister's body. Garrick appeared at my side. He stood stiffly with his hands clasped behind his back and looked out over the water as he spoke. I have prepared a place for the body until you perform the sending ceremony. I advise you to keep it quick and private. It is better that the men do not know who you are. Be very careful with whom you speak. Not everyone is a friend of the witches. He turned and briskly walked away while barking orders to his crew. I watched the sea. The sunlight caught the spray and cast bits of rainbows into the air. A school of dolphins appeared beside us. I watched with envy as they broke the surface of the water and dove again and again. Not long after, two rough, weather-beaten sailors came to move Meloda's body to the room Garrick had appointed below deck. The room contained a long table where they laid my sister's body and covered her with a tarp. Garrick had placed a cot in there with a thick, warm blanket and a pillow. There was some kindness underneath his rough exterior, after all. The sailors did their job quickly and silently. Garrick must have ordered them to keep their distance. This made me irrationally angry. I was tired of Garrick's rules. I was not used to living in silence. Valencia had always encouraged me to speak to people and learn their stories. She had been skilled at getting stories from even the most private people. Since most of the kids in Crystal River had ignored my friendly advances, I had never had a chance to try. The men of the crew fascinated me. I wanted to know about these people, and their stories could prove useful somewhere along the way. One of them might know what I was supposed to do if we found Norg Hollow, and I could use all the help I could get. I had no idea where to begin, and I needed to talk to someone. The silence was driving me mad. I still found the sailors a little too intimidating, 
So I decided to go find Monroe. I was curious to see what he wanted to show me. I found him hidden away in a remote corner below deck. He was seated at a small desk that was littered with papers and open books. He was so absorbed in what he was reading that he didn't notice me for several minutes. I cleared my throat and he jumped, dropping his book, and made a strange squeaky noise in the back of his throat. I laughed. He grinned back at me and tossed his hair out of his eyes. You surprised me. That's obvious, I said as I sat down across from him. On the table before me was a large book. It was open to a page with a drawing of a boat at sea. In the sky there was numerous symbols. Some I understood and some I did not. Monroe saw me looking and turned the book so I could see it better. It's a traditional sending ceremony for witches. It's written in the wizard language, but they're pretty similar. I can help you with this if you'd like. Thanks. I need all the help I can get. Some of this makes sense, but not everything. I've never seen a sending ceremony. I don't even know what one is. I have no idea what I'm doing. I stared silently at the page without really seeing it. Sudden tears threatened to spill, but I fought them back. I'm going to fail, Monroe. I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm supposed to do when I get there. The wrong witch died. I shouldn't be the last. I'm not ready. Monroe looked thoughtful and reached across the table to take my hand. He held it firmly in both of his, and I felt slightly less panicked. You have to be ready. Whether you want it or not, the responsibility is yours. You are the last of the mighty witches of Norg Hollow. I've been studying the history of the witches. It's fascinating. I would like to be of assistance. You will have all the help I can offer. Sword, brain, or anything else you may need. I am here for you. He squeezed my hand. I felt warm inside when he smiled, and I knew I would recover from the loss of my first love. I could suddenly see my obsession with Blade Connor for what it was, a crush on a bad boy who was absolutely wrong for me in every way. That his sister tried to kill me just made the recovery process that much faster. Monroe was completely different. He was studious and serious, but he had a playful side. His kindness was evident, and he had given his life to me. I felt comfortable around him. He was safe. And it was nice to feel safe. I hadn't truly felt that way since I met Blade and his little sister. Monroe and I were still smiling at each other when Garrick walked into the room. His rage was immediate, and I ran from the tidal wave of anger that he threw down upon his son. Monroe sat listening patiently to his father's uproar. There was a small smile on his lips and a sparkle of mischief in his eyes. He winked when he caught my eye causing Garrick to wheel around and demand that I get above deck immediately. I complied. They stayed below deck a long time, and no one disturbed them. The sailors muttered something to each other, but they grew quiet when I approached. Finally, I went up to a large sailor named Sam, one of the strongest men on the crew and a natural leader. What are your men saying? Is it about Monroe and Garrick? Sam frowned at me. We're not supposed to talk to you. Why not? He shrugged. Boss don't want us to. We don't ask questions. Maybe you should. He shook his head and laughed. You think about what you're doing. I know who you are. Some of the others do, too. There's a price on your head. Do you know that? Garrick has his reasons, and he is trying to keep you safe. Just keep your mouth shut. He started to leave and go back to work, but he stopped. Stay away from Monroe. He's the one who will suffer if you don't. 
He walked away without another word. I didn't dare to ask any more questions. Some of the crew had been watching my conversation with Sam very carefully. I slipped away as quickly as I could and hid between a barrel and the wall. I still had a view of the door that led below deck, but the crew couldn't see me. Sam's parting words kept repeating in my head. I wasn't sure what he meant, but it didn't take long to find out. The door swung open, and Monroe limped out. His face was bloody and purple, and both eyes were almost swollen shut. Two long cuts ran up the sides of his face and dripped blood onto his shoulders, making his shirt cling to him. He held his left arm cradled gently in his right hand, and I could see it was broken. I held in my scream. I was shaking with rage, but I listened to Sam's advice. I could not go near Monroe again. Garrick emerged a little while later. His face was satisfied, and he whistled as he walked around inspecting the work of his crew. He passed by my hiding spot and stopped. I held my breath. My heart was pounding in my ears. He grabbed me by the hair and dragged me out from behind the barrel. There you are, Lady Casey. I've been looking for you. I wanted to speak with you for a moment. He brought me below deck to Monroe's study area. The table was soaked in blood. The books and papers had been swept onto the floor and were spattered with red. Some of Monroe's teeth were lying on the floor by my foot. I picked them up and put them in my pocket. I fought the urge to cry while Garrick watched my reaction to the carnage. I told you to stay away from my son. He is not meant for you. His purpose is much greater. I have sworn to protect you, and I promised Lucia that no harm would come to you during your journey to Norg Hollow. After that, no one knows what to expect. For now, you are safe with me. Just leave my son alone. He left me there with the gore and Monroe's stained books and maps. I tried the door, but he had locked it behind him. I was trapped. My heart hammered in my chest, and I took a deep breath and tried not to panic. I turned back to the mess, pulled the cleanest book from the pile, and started to read. It was the large book from before, the one with the sending ceremony. I started at the beginning and became immediately engrossed. I read for hours without noticing the passage of time or the click of the lock when Garrick thought I had been punished enough. I sat, oblivious to the foul mess surrounding me, absorbed in the history of the witches. The reading grew easier as I began to better understand the wizard language. Monroe had made notes in the margins, his thoughts while he read a passage or a question that he would look into later. I felt close to him, like he was at my side, explaining everything to me. Then he really was standing next to me. His face was still misshapen, but he had showered and changed his clothes. I jumped when he touched me. I had been so intent on the book that I hadn't heard him calling me. He tried to smile. It looked painful. I can't stay long, but I will meet you tonight, sometime after midnight, for the sending ceremony. Keep reading. I think you will find it very illuminating. Then he was gone. I read until the dinner bell reminded me that I had not eaten since early morning. My stomach growled, and I went up to join Monroe and Garrick. And that is the end of Chapter 13, book lovers. I hope you're enjoying The Last Witch. I will be back next week with another chapter. So until next time, keep reading. A Media Production.